0: Jewish Money Matters, episode 253, the dark and bright side of navigating the U.S. healthcare system with Dan Wiseman, host of An Arm and a Leg podcast. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth. To gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry. To design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm El Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today's show is all about healthcare. This is a topic we all have a story about, isn't it? And most often than not, it's not a pretty one either. Dan Wiseman is with us today. He's the host of an arm and a leg podcast where he takes one of the most complex, frustrating and frankly depressing parts of financial adulting in America, the cost of healthcare to produce a show that's informative, entertaining and empowering. As Dan notes today, among the darkness, there is some light we'll also discuss things that we can do and should do better to protect and look out for ourselves more about dan before creating an arm and a leg which has won numerous awards he worked in public radio as a reporter for marketplace and chicago's wbez he's written stories and outlets like 99 Percent invisible planet money reveal code switch morning edition and all things considered here's dan weissman Dan Weissman, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. How are you? It's so great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm great. It's great to meet you.
0: I was just chatting with you that I would spend the day in your hometown of Chicago, where I hopefully will spend a lot more time in the coming years. (laughs) Great, great city. We had a great time, my daughter and I, exploring high school. So Dan, let's get to your show. You're the host of an awesome podcast, An Arm and a Leg. I love the name. It's all about why healthcare costs so much and what we can maybe do about it. And it's it's Dan, it's informative, and it's entertaining. And it really is empowering. Um, I'm becoming kind of an arm and a leg junkie.
1: <laughs> oh, Thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. How did you hear about the show?
0: I actually heard about it through Farnoosh. Oh, yeah.
2: yes, Great. Yes.
0: Great. That's how I found out about it. So before we get to the topic of an arm and a leg, healthcare in America, I have to ask you then, why a podcast about healthcare? Because I know you have, beyond the fact that you have an impressive career as a reporter, was there some sort of personal impetus for this? Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was. And it's also a topic I had kind of been pitching for my, a long chunk of my professional life, um, oh. because as a reporter and as a person, you just can't help running into it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. show is this is a, this is a problem that affects all of us. And, you know, if you're lucky, it's something you might have some anxiety about or occasionally like I'm being charged $300 for this. Like why, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, for many people, you know, being charged an extra few hundred dollars, something is like, you know, that's, that would have been a big chunk of your rent. Um, yeah. this would it be, and, you know, and again, like to, to run into a bump that's a few hundred dollars is getting off very lightly. Um, that people, mm-hmm. you know, have, get bills and people end up with charges that, you know, consume all, consume more income than they might have in years. And, yeah. you know, as a reporter, as a person or have near brushes with it, right. As a reporter, as a person, you run into those stories all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I've been pitching, to places I'd worked, like at Marketplace at WBEZ in Chicago, to editors like, "Hey, I think we could do a service here. Like, this right. is something. Like, this is an underwitnessed, you know, problem, mm-hmm. and it's something that we don't talk about enough. Um, from a just like, how do I deal with it perspective, and kind of why am I? Why is this happening? Right. And the editors were all like, "Well, you know, that's an interesting idea. Everybody here has an interesting idea they'd like to do. Well, you know, if we want to do yours." Um, which is, that's, that's, that's how it goes. So again, when you have a job, that's how it goes. Um, And then, you know, I left a job and I was like, well, wow, what am I going to do now? Uh, Partly because I live in Chicago, uh, which is a great place to live, but there's a limited number of places to do what I most love to do be a reporter Mm -hmm. here, um, especially for radio. And so I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not going to move. And I, and I definitely want like a job that comes with health insurance Oh. Because, uh, you know, that's important
2: uh, mm-hmm. for
1: all kinds of, you know, I can tell you my story, but everybody has one. And so uh, I was like, I guess I need another career, which I was really, really unhappy about. And, you know, I spent, a, I, we were lucky. I had a few months, you know, uh, kind of between our family's resources and my wife's forbearance.
2: Right. You know, we were able to
1: say like, okay, well, take a few months, Dan, get your head together, you know, before you even chart the course for the next, whatever the next thing is. Mm-hmm. And I kind of reconciled myself to when someone at a Hanukkah party was like, you don't think you might not be a reporter, but you, you really like that. Is Isn't there anything you'd want to do? And I was like, well, there is this story I've been pitching for a long time. Um, and, you know, I got, I was supposed to New Year's, uh, you know, January 1st, 2018, like start like the actual hunt for whatever was next. And I asked my wife, I was like, what if I took a week and just talk to people to get some sense of whether this could be a, a prospect, a thing that I mm-hmm. could do. And she was like, "Okay." And that week uh, was very interesting and very fruitful, and um, turned into two weeks, and a month, and two months. And you know, at the end of a month or two, I was making prototypes and I'd come up with a name for the show, and was starting to kind of figure out how it could work.
2: Mm-hmm. But the main
1: thing that happened in those two weeks was I would tell people I was thinking about doing this kind of thing, and everybody that I talked to you know, people who were uh, just, you know, a, a, another dad on the playground, or my friend who's a real estate developer who, had you know, has a head for business, you know, a friend who who was the host of a very successful show, I would talk to them about, well, I'm thinking of doing this, what do you think? And, you know, they had various opinions about whether this was a smart idea, but they were all like, oh, well, yeah, did I tell you about the thing that happened to me? And all of the stories were hair-raising.
2: Yep. And I was
1: like, you know, I think the audience for this show might be bigger than I thought.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah
1: that's the personal that maybe I'm a long story, but that's the personal story of how I came to do this.
0: So wait, but what happened with the healthcare question?
1: <laughs> oh, with my healthcare question?
0: Yeah, because one of the things I was holding you back was that you needed health insurance. So were we relying now on your wife's health insurance? Is that what ended up happening?
1: Well, you know, she's a solo entrepreneur. So it had been my job uh, right. for years to have the kind of job that came with health insurance. Okay. And so we decided... Um, to kind of give it a year that we, you know, through COBRA, which is where you leave a job and you can still, you kind of pay the whole thing for health insurance from that job for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And we figured that would see us through 2018. And we figured by the end of 2018, we would have to have a new answer, uh, Mm -hmm. of some kind. And so what happened was, yeah, we ended up, uh, she ended up kind of expanding, the way her business was organized
2: mm-hmm. so, so that it
1: was employing her and one other person. So then we were able to apply for group health insurance. I mean, we, right. we looked at, we looked at Obamacare plans and I mean, it's a whole story. Like the first episode of our show is me as tape of me, like tap, 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 tap. What is this? How does it work? Um, because my, you know, my personal story is I have a congenital heart defect mm-hmm. and maybe live my life, but every year I go get checked out. Okay. And so I looked at, uh, I look back at our records. I was like, well, what's the, you know, what does that cost? You know, I know what I've paid, but like, what does it cost? And, you know, the sticker price on, it's like, I get a couple of tests and I see a doctor.
0: Right. And um, and we
1: talk about the test results. And the sticker price on that test, on those tests and that doctor visit were more than $10,000. Oh,
0: my goodness. Yeah.
1: And I was like, well, huh. Uh, You know, is any of that covered under any of the plans on the Obamacare? Ah. The answer was no. No. None of like, the, you know, again, like not only a few places but I go, I get seen, you know, a place that has like a clinic, specialty clinic for people with congenital heart defects. Right. It's probably where I should be seen. Um, I shouldn't probably like go someplace else for it. I was like, no. are they covered? The answer was no. I was like, well, well, and I, that, you know, my education in all of this was like, ongo- has been ongoing. I was like, well, so under Obamacare, isn't there this thing where you had, there's like an out of pocket max? And that's, you know, as much as you'll end up paying me. Like, okay, maybe it's $10,000, but like, what if we budgeted $10,000? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, what if we did that? And so then I was like, well, does that out-of-pocket max, I should check this out, apply to out-of-network
2: things?
1: Like, if it's not actually covered? the answer was, no, Mm. not covered. Not, doesn't apply. I was like, there's tape of me just like seeing this and be like, I think that means we are effed like that was mm-hmm. just like it. I was like, whew. so that, so we, I mean, we, yeah, we quickly pivoted and wow. you know, Devorah reorganized her business and took on an, took, you know, made somebody who'd been a contractor, an employee with their, you know, like thumbs up. And suddenly we were, and we, and then we made sure that Blue Cross agreed that, that her business really did work this way. And, uh, and they did. And so we have insurance through that.
0: You know, this story is so relevant because we are in this time of the great reshuffling, the great resignation. And it's it's one of the big things that holds people back from pursuing a, something that they love that is really aligned with their values is this, this sticking point, this health insurance. I remember we had a very similar story. I think it was either 2018 or 2019. My husband really wanted to go on his own. He really wanted to leave his job I'm a freelancer, I have online courses, I have this, I have that. We were relying on his health care insurance, his health insurance. Let me tell you, Dan, the amount of hours we spent in trying to navigate this, it was I think there were spreadsheets involved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course there were. Yeah, of
0: course. And then at some point, we just said, we're going with this one, and we're going to pray for the best. And we would really had to spend time studying it because I mean we were getting pitched these things that I was like, Matt, this won't cover the the doctors that I rely on and that I rely on for my children. Like it was complicated. Oh yeah. Um. Really and so you know I don't I don't know that is there is there, just, what else is one to do here?
1: <laughs> it's no, it's it's one of the worst things, right? Like the just recently. A week or two ago, I guess you know the Feds came out with some very detailed arcane guidelines um, regulating about health health insurance regulation. Okay, and you know a nerd that I follow, you know, who does this for a living, was you mean a
0: fellow me. nerd,
1: <laughs> right? A fellow nerd. I mean, she but she's like a super nerd about this, right? He's professionally a nerd about health insurance regulation, and she's uh-huh. like, hey, this just came out, and she had a whole full thread like, well, this and this and this, you know, and I responded like, you know, I ha- I take a little bit of nerdy pride. In being able to say, like, after a few years of, of learning about this, I understand about half of what you're tweeting here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it like completely sucks yeah. that yeah. really all of us would need to be able to fully understand it just in order to be able to answer basic questions of like, what does my insurance actually cover? And am I right. being screwed here? Is it illegal what right. you're trying to do to me? Because I, I don't, because I, like the, right. the people, at the insurance companies, like when you get, when you're evaluating, you know, a health insurance plan, you're evaluating a, a financial instrument right? that's exact, that's, I would say is exactly as complex as like a derivatives complex,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. that has been designed by an equally expensive team of lawyers and economists and actuaries. Um, and all that sophistication is on their end. Right. And you're just you, right? And you know, in in the actual in the in the kind of what we think of as the financial world, right? Like, do you remember the movie? Uh, did you ever see the movie The Big Short? Yes, about, about the financial. Curve? And so you might remember because we rewatched it recently because my my son was asking. We the topic of 2008 came up and he was like, right. "What happened in 2008?" And we we're like, "We should see. Let's watch this movie." And so we watched it recently. And there's a scene where. There's these two young guys who, you know, they have some, they, they've got a little, they've got a little financial company operating out of their garage in, mm-hmm. in Colorado. And they want to access to the financial markets and they go to New York and they meet with somebody, but they don't get the meeting. Like the guy, the, the person they're supposed to meet with sends his assistant down to the lobby to say like, yeah, in order to uh, play in this casino that we operate, you need to have, you know, this many gazillions of dollars. Up front. And they're like, yeah, that's you know, several zeros more than we have. Mm -hmm. Uh they're like, that makes us look kind of stupid, right? He's like, it's not great. Yeah. But like, you know, there are rules that prevent ordinary people um from being having to enter that kind of casino. Yeah. When you're, you know, it's just for play, basically. But when it's our actual just lives online, it's our lives. we're We're expected to just walk in. Yeah. And just like pick something off the menu and and hope that we'll be okay.
0: Yeah, on so many levels it's worth in the financial services industry, right? Because the financial services industry also is notorious for making it super fancy and complex so that you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. We know all the stuff, right? Yeah. But this is that plus it's not just your money, it's your money and your life. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's really, um, you know, and going back to your, the 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 initial idea of your show and you asking people and noticing everybody has a nightmare healthcare story and and I feel like Dan if you don't yet it's like you just wait right we're all waiting for the shoe to drop yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
1: no it's, it's I mean <laughs> but, but, it's, it's a terrible is, is
0: there any hope I mean um you know when 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 the shoe does drop and you get that ridiculous bill or you know short of filing for bankruptcy See, what can we be doing? What are some best practices that you've learned over the years?
1: So a couple of things, Mm -hmm. right? One is, um, you know, sadly, you know, we're not going to win them all. Like there are things Mm -hmm. that we don't have answers for, but, you know, things are so complex. There are kind of ways forward
2: Mm -hmm. sometimes.
1: And the people that I've and I've ended up, you know, making a bit of a specialty and kind of talking to people who have found their way
2: mm-hmm. and have
1: found a way to help others. And to and it's I, I appreciate you asking, and I, I'm like, I should have a pat answer for this. Um, and so let me like it, and it should be like part of the story of the show. So let me let me wing it here. So there's a woman named Lori Todd who had a had a very, very daunting cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And she learned and her doctor was like, look, man, you know, I'm sorry. And she was, uh, she found it within herself and she, what she had a bit of, I think, pride in being like smart and indomitable, Mm. even though she had been, you know, her, like her professional life had not kind of called upon her full capacity up to that point, uh, in that sense. But she was like, this is it, you know, life or death, we're doing this. And she like, got herself very familiar. She learned to read the medical literature about her, her particular cancer. And she found that there was an effective treatment. Mm-hmm. There were a very limited number of people who specialized in it. And she went back to the doctor and the doctor was like, no, nah, and maybe, and maybe this is what had sent her off to the library to really learn. He said, Because the first thing he said, I think this is before she did the research, he said, there's no treatment for what you've got. And if there were, they wouldn't pay for it. Mm. And she was like, she was like, challenge accepted. Basically. Uh, And she was, she was like, no one, no one's going to tell me I'm not, they're smarter than me and get away with it. That's for her. Like that. That was her. And so that was her way. And so she went, she literally, literally found there was this thing. She identified that the doctor who could do it, who, would, who was the best doctor at it, you know, and she, and she found out how to um, tell her insurance company, like, this exists, you on paper have a, you know, have an obligation to pay for care that you, that can't be given in your network that is life-saving. Mm-hmm. Um, she found, she, she said, but you know, that, that's not trivial. I mean, to say the least, she basically said, I went to the library and read through a shelf of insurance law and contract law. Wow! And she was, like, and then she learned how to kind of hack the bureaucracy to find, like, well, who are the decision makers here? Mm-hmm. Who makes a million? Who makes a million dollar decision mm-hmm. for this company? And how do I get to them? And she, you know, essentially became an extremely effective lawyer on her own behalf because one of the problems is, right, like whether. Whether, you, whether your insurance company is telling you, no, they won't pay for this thing, um, or you're, or, you're, or someone's telling you that you have to pay for something that you don't think is right. Well, what lawyer is going to take on that case? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have enough money to pay the medical bill, you don't have money to pay the lawyer. Right. And if there's no damages for them to take a chunk of, then what's in it for them? Um, and so she basically became you know, her own super lawyer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and very I mean, and very, very quickly, because she was on the clock, like got it done, got it reversed, got the okay um, and after she recovered um she as she was recovering, she got a note from somebody because she was on you know there's message boards for any disease you might have, right, um, and it's a tighter knit community for less common diseases, and someone was like. Hey, I've heard, I've heard a lot about your success on the Spencer board. Do you think you could, I'm in the same boat. Could you help me? And she was like, what do we got to lose? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she did it for him. And she's now done this. That was almost 30 years ago. She's now done this 30, maybe almost 20 years ago. And Mm -hmm. he's now done this hundreds of times for other people. And she's learned even more about how all this works, but like, it, it shouldn't require like, that's, that's the maximalist case. You know, Mm -hmm. she was in the worst possible position. She was going to die if she didn't get this specific care and she couldn't pay for it herself. And as she put it, she was, you know, her insurance was crap. She was with some rinky dink HMO that mostly was in business to not pay for things. And
2: she made it work. So the, the answer there is like, you know, almost anything is possible if, right? Although I suppose there's a world in which like,
1: you know, she lost Mm
0: -hmm. which she didn't
1: manage, but she's, you know, she had the disposition,
0: right. The self
1: belief, you know, and the skills that she was ready to put to work, Mm -hmm. you know, to do that. So I I find that like, I'm a little sad relating that story to you. Right. Because.
0: That's the extreme case, but most people can't do that.
1: You shouldn't have to be you shouldn't have to have superhuman reserves of 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 will and kind of the right kind the right flavor of intelligence. Right. You know, and and determination to like not be made a fool of, which he said, like, I wasn't gonna let these people make a fool of me. Like that wasn't Uh, acceptable. Um, I'm not gonna lay down and take it. Um you know, you should not have to be that kind of person and you should not have to, I mean, she's helped hundreds of people, but like it's obvious there's more than hundreds of people who need that kind of help. You shouldn't have to have that kind of
2: resource. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's
1: a totally horrible system. Um, You know, there've been, and it doesn't always, I mean, not everything requires that level. Right. Um, You know, the other, the the thing that makes me most hopeful is uh, very early on in the show, like mm-hmm. when I was still developing the idea, one of the first stories that came out. A friend of mine has been a performer at Renaissance fairs
2: mm-hmm. for decades,
1: and I mentioned I was doing this. It was like, oh yeah, we have this thing rescue, where it's a very homemade thing, where the people who work at Renaissance fairs
2: uh-huh.
1: like just have little fundraisers for each other, and over to kind of pay for these medicals because you know they're itinerant. A lot of them don't have hardly any money, and they would just like have little fundraisers for each other, and it grew into a thing where they now raise significant amounts of money. Mm -hmm. every year. But what really is the magic is that, you know, if they've raised when I did the story, they'd raised maybe over the course of more than a decade, like half a million dollars to pay each other's medical bills. But wow, they had made more than a million dollars. I mean, total almost $2 million of medical bills go away.
0: Wait, how
1: (laughs) By negotiating
0: by advocating
1: you know, many, and so they had found kind of, there's all kinds of things. I mean, one hospital, nonprofit hospitals are required to have financial assistance policies. Mm-hmm. If you make under a certain amount of money, they forgive some or all of your bill. And honestly, you know, you can negotiate a bill. Like, look, you're, you're telling me, I don't have insurance. You're telling me I'm supposed to pay $10,000 for these tests. You and I know that you would take $2,000 from Blue Cross and- I'm going to tell you now, you're never going to get ten thousand dollars from me, right? Uh, what if I give you two thousand bucks? We call it square. Um, that requires, you know, doing that successfully also requires moxie and requires understanding the system. It requires know-how. These are not things that most of us, most of us, are great at doing on our own behalf, right? Right. But they had somebody they had like a half-time person who was great at it, right? Who'd been doing it for a long time. Who would kind of come up through. Mm-hmm. This whole system, who'd been mentored by mm-hmm. one of the people. And it's so like, as a half time person, she was making all this money disappear. And I, I said at the end, when we put that, I was an episode, I was like, look, if you know this kind of person, or if you are this kind of person, please get in touch. Yeah. And somebody I know, somebody who was a neighbor of mine who I'd met once on the schoolyard, got in touch and was like, I'm that person.
2: Are you serious? Uh,
1: yeah. She's a type 1 diabetic, had been diagnosed at age 12. Her parent, her dad was a doctor, her mom was also in healthcare grew up in a small town and she really understood. She understood how things worked mm-hmm. both, both because she had that kind of indomitability and because she had some backend understanding. She knew that her dad had given away lots of free care, mm. small town doctor. She knew that people, and she, but I mean, she learned it all, you know, kind of like on the job. Yeah. A type one diabetic who didn't have regular insurance for a long time. Didn't have much income. Um, and she knew all the tricks and she was like, she would like hang out on Reddit boards dispensing wisdom um you know which was great and I was like this is good but how do we organize this
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: so it turns out thank goodness because it's not I was like I don't so I said at the end of that uh season I was like we've and we'd start to orient the show toward this idea of like self defense and I was like so we've we've profiled someone I'm now calling a medical bill ninja like can we start a dojo (laughs) like a training academy um And it turned out, like, I'm a reporter. It's not what I'm good at. Like, organizing things is not my thing. (laughs) Uh, It turns out. I mean, like, never was. But so, luckily, I mean, for all of us, there's a other kind of amazing story uh, is in early 2021, I started getting tips from uh, on Twitter and email to look at this TikTok that was going super viral. Yeah, This this guy uh, who looks like a kind of, like, you know, hipster guy was like, look, here's a secret you won't hear. Uh, hospitals are required to have financial assistance policies, nonprofit hospitals. And here's how you, and that they'll make your bill go away. Mm-hmm. And like, you can hold them to this. It's a legal requirement. And in this 60 second clip, he demonstrates like Google, type into Google the name of your hospital and financial assistance. And like, you should get the policy and you're just, you're just scanning it for the income Kind of, there's a, there should be something like a chart that shows like mm-hmm. what your income could be and how much of your bill they'll, they'll go away. And and then there should be a link somewhere. It should be instructions about how to apply. And you just do it. And he's like, and if you don't, if you're not sure you can do it, hit me up. I do this. He had, he was running wow. a tiny nonprofit in Portland, Oregon, uh-huh. to people locally. And, you know, that video very, very quickly, like in a few days, got like, you know, was seen by 10, was seen 10 million times. Wow. And he was overwhelmed, right? With a uh, request for help. Right. That was almost a year and a half ago. And the most incredible thing, uh, I mean, he's just an extraordinary, he's an extraordinary person. His name is Jared Walker. The group he runs is called Dollar Four. And he, what he got a lot of offers of people to help. And he is the kind of person who organizes things. And he was able to say yes. And so within six months, those people had, you know, working with him, like organized a database that included the financial assistance policy for thousands of hospitals nationwide, everything that they could find, which in some cases on the website, in some cases they were like, they had to make a lot of phone calls mm-hmm. and they had crunched that into a database so that, and then built a website around it. So you could, which is what, you know, they kind of scaled up what he had had going in Portland, Oregon, which he had built, you know, for local hospitals, uh, where you could say, like, I went to this hospital, my bill is this much, this is my income. And it would tell you, like, you're probably eligible for financial assistance. Do you want us to help you? Wow. Since then, like, once he did that, uh, he opened up the next door and started offering to train people to negotiate on behalf of others. Because sometimes you just have to fill in a form. And sometimes it requires a little elbow grease yes. and know-how. And so he started hosting like monthly trainings on Zoom for anybody who wanted to learn the tricks.
0: That's awesome.
1: And <laughs> advanced trainings. And again, with the help of those early volunteers, created like a ticketing system mm-hmm. and runs it like a help desk so that you know people, requests come in and somebody grabs it And, you know, works the case. And there's a kind of hierarchy of people who like with more experience, who you can turn to for help if you run into problems, including at the top of it, Jared, Um, and people work the cases. And they have an open Slack channel where every day it populates Mm -hmm. with like, I just got a $2,000 bill result. I just got a $30,000 bill result. I just saved somebody $500.
0: That's amazing what he's built. I'm so impressed. <laughs> it's the
1: best. I mean, it's incredible. It's great. It goes farther. So I talked with him just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And now this incredible backlog of requests for help, they're caught up. Okay. They've also continued to kind of refine the website. So you know, it said like, do you want us to help you? Do you want to do it on your own? You know. Here, uh, we can hear some instructions. The instructions are great,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and lot he says he hears from people all the time who are like, "I did this, it worked, thanks." Um, and the next thing he aims to do is to take this next step, which again mirrors exactly what the what the Renaissance Fair workers were doing. They, um, you know, because not everybody qualifies for financial assistance. There's an upper income limit, right? But just because you don't
0: qualify, that, doesn't mean you can. The
1: bill. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so this is where the negotiation part comes in. Mm-hmm. And so he's aiming to kind of train a cadre of people to do that negotiating.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean. I was never going to do this. <laughs> I'm a reporter like I don't like just filing stories and like trying to run a little podcast is like, right. you know, as much organizational Moxies I have in me. Um, oh, it's so moving to me.
0: I love this story. It is, it is indeed so moving. And it just shows such a positive side to this huge challenge that we're all facing. Like, talk about turning darkness into light. Oh my goodness. Now, I want to go back to you mentioned your neighbor. And how she got into this. She was a do- daughter of a doctor. She knew like the ins, especially seeing her father who had so many times given, you know, treatment. And I remember also my, my late, um, not my father, my, my, my stepfather. Um, he was a surgeon. I just remember growing up. He also tons of things that he gave to people for free. It was just, this was the way it was. When I go to the doctor today, Dan, there is such a stark contrast between those days growing up and those personal relationships where it's almost like you could have that financial conversation with your doctor where you could say, Okay, I get how much this costs. Could we work something out? Could could this treatment be maybe spread over time? Could so that my insurance could, you know, I don't have to use my my whole doctor. Like, there was a space, there was a relationship. I don't know that we get that anymore. I mean, it's like a conveyor belt. You show up in these fancy offices and you see a doctor. You don't. They don't tell you what anything's going to cost. Then you move to a desk where they tell you and this person has zero authority. if you're lucky they'll explain to you how this is broken down <laughs> if you're lucky yeah. most of the time they have zero authority to have a negotiating co- a conversation to even understand and even try to work a plan out this is even before you get to the part of getting slapped with a medical bill you don't understand and then you have to negotiate with, you know this is just from the from the get go it's just changed so much
1: yes yeah yeah there's a ton of gatekeeping right between you right and that, right, to like limit the, the amount of access you have to that doctor just to like get healthcare from them. right? And then let alone have any kind of conversation about the financial relationship, what means to you larger in life and any access you might have to somebody who has any knowledge or authority. Also, there's just a ton of gatekeeping between you and those people. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I mean, I've been learning, right? And mm-hmm. Jared is becoming more and more expert at like, there are ways, right? But it just takes... I mean, it takes the kind of of persistence that most of us frankly don't have time for. Yeah. And you want somebody, I I think what's brilliant about what Jared is doing, what the Renaissance Fair folks have done, it's like having access to somebody, having somebody who's your ally in that, Mm -hmm. who's been there before. Yes. Right? Because it's also true that like, I'm just trying to live my life. And by the way, I'm sick. Like, I'm not really at my beat. Yeah. You know, and and like- And managing a
0: job and children and life.
1: Right. I have I I had a to do list before. Yeah. And that's also like piling up on me while I'm sick. Like, how am I supposed to, like, become an expert at this? Mm -hmm. Um, No, it's it's uh, I mean, it sucks. And, you know, I think it and it you know, it sucks that we I mean, you know, there's like the darkness and the light. And there's also like the darkness in the light. Right. Like, it's Mm -hmm. horrible that there's any need one. For someone like Jared to do the things that he does. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And there's, and the prospect, you know, him scaling up what he does to kind of solve our whole problem.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, let's see how far it goes, but it also seems like the scale of, of the, of what we're talking about, this didn't happen overnight and it didn't happen by accident.
2: Mm.
1: You know, where we are is the result of people, of a lot of people over a long time Mm -hmm. coming to understand that there's just a lot of money to be made in a business where the, where the, where the value proposition is your money or your life. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's the, that's Uh, the, and that, you know, as those people got more skillful and more knowledgeable and the other piece of it is they are in competition with each other.
2: Mm.
1: That you know, if you're a hospital or a doctor's office, you are uh, negotiating for payment with an insurance company,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and with the federal government, right? For with Medicare and Medicaid, both of which are you know, there are who are on the on the insurance company side. I mean, they're trying to like minimize what they have to pay you, right? Any way they can, right? You know, they're going to nickel and dime you uh for anything that they pay for and they're going to want to deny care and so you have to invest in fighting them and in, and invest in making sure invest all these resources in making sure that, that you get paid you know that you're going to get paid for whatever yeah. you
2: do right. and
1: that you that if they nickel and dime you over here you're going to make it up over there
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: this is the and that you know the government is here kind of wanting to police you to make sure like look, you can't not give this care and you have to, you know, meet these standards. And like sometimes they're responding to the contortions that you've already had to do to meet the challenge over here from the insurance people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, and when you get into medicine, it's, you know, now you've got more, you've got the pharmaceutical company over here, the insurance company over here, and you've got this whole class of players called pharmacy benefit managers
2: which uh-huh. are kind of middle
1: people between the pharma, between the pharma company and the insurance company and the drugstore and you. Mm-hmm. And they and their whole deal is getting is making a profit by being a middle person entity between all of them. And they uh again, all of it means it's it's all a bunch of sharks, basically. It becomes a bunch of sharks, you know, fighting each other over who's gonna get to take the biggest bite out of you. Because ultimately we're paying for all of it.
0: Mm hmm. You, you, after hearing you, I'm thinking, why would anybody want to become a doctor nowadays between the cost of student loans and you're going to have to become a shrewd businessman? You right. won't really be practicing health
1: <laughs> Or, or you'll be or you'll be working for shrewd business people. Yes. Right.
0: I just yes. heard your latest episode about. The private equity business getting involved in healthcare. I was like, wait, what? Oh
2: yeah. (laughs) Tell us a little
0: bit about that. That was like, whoa.
1: Yeah. So yeah, private equity—the folks who are the barbarians at the gate, kind of buying and selling companies—they want to like make as much money as possible as quickly as possible. uh, Have seen, you know, real value in this. Yeah, there's money
0: to be made. It's a business. Money of
1: your life. You've got a captive audience, and so. The big first kind of area was in emergency medicine uh-huh. where we're literally employing ER doctors because ER doctors aren't generally employees of the hospital. If you're running a hospital um, emergency room, you know, most things that happen in a hospital are fairly predictable. An emergency room is not. Right. And you have to have it staff 24 um, seven. It's like running a 24 hour diner. Right. And if like the fry guy doesn't show up, you got to have somebody who's going to fill in.
2: Mm-hmm. And this is
1: true for everybody in that ER. So with doctors over time, what emerged were what are called, like what are called ER staffing companies where it's like, I'm going to take care of that for you. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to oh, make sure God. there's always a doctor where you when you know, showing up for the shift. Um, and you're not going to have to worry about that. And we're going to send our own bill, right? Whatever. And so some time ago, private equity companies got wind, like if you send your own bill. Uh the doctors work for you. Um, we think if we got into that business and decided like not to take insurance,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who's gonna tell us no? I mean, you're in the emergency room, you didn't make an appointment with me, you didn't choose me as your doctor. I'm here, you know, you're not gonna walk out, and no one's gonna tell you what the bill's gonna be when you walk in. So they 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 kind of, if they didn't invent, they definitely kind of made a business model of what are now called surprise bills. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get treated at a hospital that takes your insurance and then surprise you get a great big bill from separate bill from the doctor who doesn't take your insurance you're on the hook for whatever um this has recently been outlawed by the federal government this practice Mm -hmm. of sending a bill that's like you're on by saying basically that doctor and your insurance company have to work it out um and you're just going to pay whatever you would have paid if it was covered if they were on your insurance and you don't have to worry about the rest okay but you know, that law got made because this became a giant problem that all of us were aware of, or, you know, enough people were hit by that every member of Congress was being told, yelled at by constituents, like, can you please solve this? So they got a taste though. It was very, very lucrative. And they're like, what else could we do? Where, what Mm -hmm. else, where else might be places where this would work? And they decided that they've kind of figured out and been investing in areas where there's a lot of procedures, Mm -hmm. Again, don't always, you know, you got to see your dermatologist if you want to, you know, make sure you don't have skin cancer. And if they're like, we're going to cut that thing off, you're going to get it cut off. Right. Uh, So they were like, great. What if we owned those practices? What if we owned all of those things? Uh, So dermatology is one. And the one where we ended up learning about it was gastroenterology. We got an email from a listener who was like, I just moved to a new town and, uh, the bill for this, and I have Crohn's disease, so I got to get a lot of things done. And I'm supposed to get a colonoscopy, and the bill is going to be like three times what I'm used to.
2: Mm-hmm. What's up with
1: that? And these, the same practice seems to run everything in my town. And our producer, uh, Emily Pisacreta, like did a little digging, just did a little Googling, and found that those, those practices were all connected.
2: Mm-hmm. And in fact,
1: they were all owned by a statewide entity, which in turn was owned by a national entity, which was owned by a private equity firm.
2: Mm. And she
1: called around and found that, yeah, uh, a few years ago, an investor uh, kind of wrote a blog post saying like, we're in the golden age of older rectums, <laughs> which is <laughs> grim and hilarious and awful. And it's just like, look, uh, everyone's supposed to get a colonoscopy once you're past a certain age, like yeah. pretty often. There's a lot of money there. Uh, let's uh, let's let's corner that market.
0: Wow! So these private equity firms are coming in, yeah. offering medical practices to buy them. Yeah, and then we then they in part, as part, part they're they're in the business of ma- making margins, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Maximizing <laughs> right? profit. Yeah.
0: Maximizing profit. So yeah. then you you're just going there for healthcare. And all of a sudden, you're getting hit with who knows what because that office has to run at the most profitable level.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's so crazy, and again, it makes me wonder why is anybody going into medicine?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I hear from doctors a lot. I mean, I hear from doctors a lot. You know, it's and there's a there's a term among practitioners, doctors, nurses called moral injury, Mm. Um, which is you know when you you went into being, you know, to this thing because one, well, everybody needs a job. Yeah. And you, you want to align, if you can, you want to align that job with the other things that you want, including right. to like be a healer and to make a decent living. And um, you know, what the reality that a lot of people find mm-hmm. is that they are, you know, they're, they're, the things that they end up having to do as part of their jobs don't feel right you know that they're involved in kind of denying care or being unable to help people because of the structure right. in which they work and this is when people talk about you know we hear we've heard a lot in the last couple of years especially through the pandemic about burnout among healthcare workers yeah and one piece of that conversation among healthcare workers is this problem of moral injury you know
0: it's crazy It's so crazy. You know, we talk about Jared and we talk about the power community. I recently, my husband and I had to navigate um, someone in my family needs to get these autoimmune suppressants for a skin condition. Talk about dermatology, which is not really a skin condition. It's an autoimmune condition, you know, the gist, right? Right. Um, So I'm in these chat rooms, these boards of mothers with, you know what I mean? And so you, you learn a lot. Um, It turns out to be that I have a friend, a close friend who, gets, since she's a child, she's been getting these injections. So she told me, you know, if you or Matt want to talk about this, I know how to negotiate because this injection that they're saying your child needs to get is going to be very expensive. Yeah. It, every shot is $11,000 and they need it every three months. And it's not necessarily covered by insurance, but there's a loophole where you can apply. And I'm not sure if it's with this pharmacy benefit managers that you mentioned, but there is something because my husband takes care of it. So she walked him through how to do that. And there's this whole application process. And so for the first, the the good news is for the first two months, it worked beautifully and they sent us the medication. I think we had to pay like $5 for an $11,000 thing and it all worked fine. But every time you have to apply. Right. So by the third month, the third shot, we had a, a an appointment with the doctor to go, so the child could get the shot, and they denied they, they 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 denied it. And so I don't have the details of the story of what was the the negotiation here. Maybe you want to talk to Matt, um, but he didn't want to stress me with it. And so finally, they just he tried, he tried, he tried. They said no. But would you believe that t- talking about having a relationship? It turns out that I guess he had been in touch with the doctor throughout the process. Yeah. And at some point, my husband said, well, it turns out that we didn't get approved for the medication, so we won't be coming in. And she said, oh, don't worry, I have a sample in the office to ah. bring him in. Right. Now, we like, what is this miracle? I mean, that was just like, we, it was a miracle. That's, that's all I can say, Right. Um, like it. yeah. but it just, it does speak to get help from people yes. who navigate the system, who've Absolutely. done it before. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, there is a community out there of people who are willing to help. And as much as you can try to have some type of relationship with the doctor and be in touch with, try to somehow build that email connection or someone, at least for the, uh, maybe it's not the doctor themselves. Maybe it's, but it it could go a long way. Yeah.
1: I think that's right. I mean, I think you're searching for a human, I think, I think putting yourself, making yourself available in a real way. Right. And kind of assuming the best of the people that you talk to. Right. Kind of giving, showing people your side. because we definitely, we absolutely have, it It produces in me. And I think in lots of us exposure to this system in, you know, encourages a kind of defensive and angry crouch. Right. And the truth is that's, and I thank you so much for saying this, like that, keeping ourselves in a place where we can be our, you know, our real, you know,
0: yeah.
1: authentic selves,
0: vulnerable,
1: vulnerable to an extent. Um, yeah, and I think the, the, like one of the most interesting episodes we've ever done was, you know, we were talking, we've been talking about self-defense for a year. And I was like, I, I'd like to talk to a self-defense instructor.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: And there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole kind of school of self-defense that's kind of primarily pioneered by women practitioners mm. um, and is often kind of taught by and for people who identify as women uh, called empowerment self-defense, mm-hmm. which has to do with not just learning to kind of kick and punch, um, but also and more broadly to kind of defend against all kinds of encroachment, harassment. Right, how to basically stand up for yourself, how to enforce your boundaries. And you know, in order to do that, you know, you need to learn to center yourself, mm. ground yourself and believe about yourself that you're worth, understand about yourself, that you're worth defending. You have to kind of be in touch with that part of yourself. And there's also tricks, right? And in, in the interpersonal stuff, Mm-hmm. where this woman relate the person I talked to, you know, relate a whole story of her own where she was appealing something and she called, you know, this kind of state watchdog who was supposed to help. And the first thing the person said to her was, she said, I need to learn about how to file an appeal. And the first thing the person said to her was, Well, I'm sure you missed a deadline. And, you know, the and our hackles go up. We're like, no, I didn't, or what, you know, right. or, oh my God, I did. And she's like, so what you need to do is that she's put it, stay on your agenda, you know, to not get hooked into that kind of interpersonal stuff and not respond to the harassment essentially or the provocation. And her response was, so what I said is I need to learn how to file an appeal. Mm -hmm. And by sticking to her agenda and by, you know, not reacting, right. She over time ended up with a very productive relationship with that person. She ended up getting messages from that person like, Hey, we're really making progress here. Wow. Right. So that process of forming allies isn't necessarily, I mean, I think, you know, when we say being vulnerable, I think there's a tendency to think about like, do we have to abase ourselves? Do we have to throw ourselves on someone else's mercy? And I think the, you know, again, I, you know, I find this quite moving that that process of being, of learning to value ourselves of, you know, our own of reminding ourselves of our own you know, right to exist in the world
2: as mm-hmm. much as anybody
1: else, and be able to speak out of that. Um, you know, it's a thing that we need in so many areas of our lives.
0: Yeah, it, we do, and I love that. I, I I love that reminder for for listeners. It's, it's so true. Just center ourselves on your worth, what you want to achieve, that there's a human on the other line, but that you, are, your needs are also important, right? Stay poised and calm, get your point across, yeah. right? Don't take things personal. You don't know what the other person on the other side is going through, right? Just stick <laughs> yeah. to stick to the plan. Yeah. And um, I think it's, it's, it's a great reminder because we can become so despondent and so emotional. It's the whole thing is so stressful and so triggering. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, Dan, um, is, is, is the state of health in your estimation <laughs> at this point? Is the state of healthcare always going to be like this in your, in this country? Like, is it, is it always going to be one of these big pain points where it's going to, everything's going to cost a fortune? And, uh, okay. Of course, we all need healthcare, but navigating this whole thing and then these hidden fees and all the things we just discussed. I mean, f- from your point of view, what, what would need to get better what would need to happen for things to get better
1: it's such a good question and i wish i had a i wish i had a satisfying answer for it Mm. because you know the powers that be all those the sharks right among the investments they've learned how to make is investing in lobbying and campaign Mm. contributions rigging the system in their favor um Mm -hmm. or kind of you know getting lobbying hard advocating for their interests and because they are actually in a battle with each other they're very good at saying, you know, the farm industry is very good at saying, it's not us, it's the, ins- the insurance. Oh, no, there's a shark over there. The insurance company is doing bad things, right? Mm-hmm. They're very good at pointing the finger at each other. Um, it's very effective. So, you know, I think of it as a problem, you know, akin to, you know, climate change and akin uh-huh. to our whole, you know, big problems in our political system, the the influence, the the way that that people with money and power and entities with money and power have such outsized influence. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that it's, it's, uh, it's hard to see whole scale, you know, sweeping change. Right. Without some broader realignment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, However, you know, the interesting thing is I figured in doing this show and starting this show, like, every episode is going to be evergreen. Like, there was just, like, none of this is going to go out of date, sadly. Um, And I'll never run out of material. But, yeah. you know, as it turns out, like, you know, one of the big problems that we identified, that we, you know, had, not like, I identify, I'm such a genius, identified like, you know, was obvious, and we got steered, and we had to deal with eventually, was this problem of surprise bills. You know, yeah. you go someplace that you think is covered by insurance, and surprise, you get a great big bill from somebody that you saw who secretly was not and uh i was like yeah that's a giant one well here we are two years later after we did and like that's actually against the law and it took a long time and the the obstacles to it were ridiculous um and the the solution in law is not perfect and right. you know there's still negotiation and pushback happening but that episode of our show is now out of date
0: yes um, Thank God. So,
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not enough, right. It didn't solve all our problems, but um, even in the, what I would think it was relatively short time I've been doing this. Uh, yeah. This great big problem changed.
0: It's a major change. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, and from our end as, you know, leaving listeners with, with on a positive note and with hope we've talked about, you know, building community, We've talked about researching, like there are people like Jared out there who have resources for you, right? There's your show with tons of tips, things happening all the time where you can learn about people like Jared, where you can learn about other people and you're in a similar situation. So building that community, finding those people out, negotiating, right? Knowing and negotiating from that place of, of, of worth, um. I think as those are very very empowering tips. Anything else that comes to mind?
2: My
1: gosh, those are great! Thank you so much. This is like, right? thank, what a great conversation! Thank you. I think those are. That's a lot. It's a lot to absorb. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: And and, and, and and I and I love and I love this because there is hope. There is hope out there, people. I mean, get health insurance, please. Everybody should have health insurance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that should have been tip number one.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, no, it's true. I mean, there's a big, there's a big, a lot of us have an inclination like, well, isn't there some alternative to having health insurance? And there are people who, who are ready to sell you some alternative to health insurance. And the problem with it is all those alternatives are worse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not like, it's not like you're not wrong to think like, why do I want to give my money to this insurance company that's in business to just take my money and not give me anything back? You're not wrong about that. That's a terrible position to be in. It's just that everybody who says they've got an alternative for you putting yourself at even more risk
0: yeah yeah so that's what we got we got to get that health insurance and make the most of it and we got to listen to your show thank you dan we're going to tune in thank you for this fabulous conversation for the work you're doing the show is an arm and a leg and we can find you on twitter right you're really
1: active i'm on twitter at dan weissman two s's two ends the show's on twitter at arm and a leg show you can find all of our episodes at arm and a leg com. yeah we're around
0: awesome thank Thank you thank you so so much for
1: having me it's been such a pleasure talking with you
0: thank you so much dan Thanks to Dan Weisman for stopping by. You can find an arm and a leg on all the podcast platforms, armandalegshow.com and on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Arm and a leg Show. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you have any questions on anything we've covered on this show or on something that's going on with your money or your life and, you know, money kind of impacts everything in life, you can send those in for our Ask Yael episode every Friday via email, yael at yaeltrush.com, DM me on Instagram at yaeltrush or WhatsApp the number 832 317 6778. You can always leave a message there. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Thanks to everyone who's been leaving a review. Those are so helpful. You can head over to your Apple Podcast app and leave a review and rating. And every Friday, I'll be picking a reviewer of the week to win a 20 minute call with me. You can also share this episode, the link to the episode, with a friend whom you know will enjoy the show. See you here Friday and have an awesome, awesome week.